The Horse and Hound Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound Podcast Daily Tokyo Special, supported by Toggy. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor at Horse and Hound, and I am out in Tokyo with my colleague Polly Bryan, Horse and Hound's dressage editor. Hi, Polly. Hi, Pippa. So last night was a very short night for Polly and I. We've got our photographer Peter Nixon out in Japan as well with us. And I like to say that the three of us basically had one night's sleep between the three of us last night. So today <laughs> it was going to look like we were going to be quite tired. But in the end, that didn't matter because it was such an adrenaline fueled evening at the Dressage Freestyle. Polly, what happened? Oh my gosh, it was so exciting, wasn't it? So yes, the the headline is that, uh, well, first of all, we have a new Olympic champion, which is Germany's Jessica von Brede-Werndl. She relegated the world number one, Isabel Werth, also of Germany, into the silver medal position. Um, but best of all, it was Britain's very own Charlotte Dujardin who won the individual bronze medal riding Geo. Uh, tell us more about that performance, Polly, and about how Charlotte reacted after it. Well, Charlotte, of course, until today, was the uh, reigning Olympic champion, having won gold in Rio with Vallegro. She knew that the chances of her being able to cling on to her title here were pretty remote with the horse's inexperienced as pumpkin. But she did say that there was no way she was going down without a fight. And my God, did she fight out there. She rode like a true champion in that arena, Everything she asked, pumpkin delivered. Um, she did say, though, that it was it was like the blind leading the blind. Because can you believe it? They only got their music, their beautiful music that they rode to. They only actually had it through as a final version three days ago. They hadn't even run through the test. Can you imagine riding your freestyle test for the first time in the Olympic individual final? That is absolutely mad. And it's just a testament to <laughs> Charlotte's temperament and also Gio's temperament. They were able to pull it off, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it really is. Charlotte is cool as a cucumber under pressure. We've said that a million times. But she's not just calm under pressure. She loves pressure. She relishes it. Um, she said she was aiming to enjoy herself tonight. I mean, she looked as though she did actually and Pumpkin certainly did. Yeah, I saw her the moment she got her score and it was just absolute joy crossing her mm. face. But yeah. uh, coming back to Pumpkin, that incredible little horse, we caught up with Charlotte a couple of weeks ago to find out more about him. His temperament is to die for, and any question I ask him, he delivers. I mean, last night I took him down to Windsor. You know, there's a thousand people there. He hasn't seen people in a long time. Doesn't even bother him. You know, he's there. He does the job, and can't ask for much more. So, Polly, I want you to walk us through a little bit more how the final session of tests this evening actually panned out. It ended up being a very special one for you and I. Tell us how it how it all came together. Yes, it really, really was. Um, so in the final group of six riders, we had, um, you know, the real the real top riders who have been scoring the highest over the course of the competition. And uh, Jessica was the second one of those riders to go into the arena. She and TSF Delera, her beautiful uh, bay mare, just 
rode the most beautiful round. They rode with so much harmony. Jessica is, is a really quite small person. Delera is a really tall, very long-backed mare. But they just look so wonderful together. They match so well. I mean, it's a real true partnership. And they rode a stunning test. They scored 91.7%. It was actually the first time Jessica had gone over 90 in an international competition. She's done it in national shows and, and championships, but not in an international championship. And what a time to do it, eh? And then, of course, we shortly after her had Isabel Verth going in the ring. And Isabel um, Isabel really wanted this title. It's the, the only one, really, that she hasn't got yet on this horse, on Bella Rose, who she has talked about so many times as being, you know, the horse of her life, her dream horse. She, she really wanted that gold medal and she was riding for it. You could really see she was riding for it. She had her game face on. But as, as uh, Jessica came through the mix zone, after her test and as is as is often the case foreign riders speak to members of their nation's press first so jessica spoke to the german speaking press before she came over to the english speaking press or at least the non-german speaking press and she'd finished up with the german journalists and she was just coming over down to our section and there were quite a lot of us there waiting you know really eager to chat to her Uh, and she got to us just as isabel started her round um and obviously wanted to watch it just as we did on the on the screen so we ended up watching Isabel's round, I mean, right next to Jessica, I mean, two metres away. And it was it was a really amazing moment, wasn't it, Pippa? A really sort of special and unexpected insight into the emotions that go into these competitions, even between, you know, t- teammates. They, they'd obviously ridden on the German team together and won gold just the day before, and now they were, you know, rivals. Yeah, and I actually spoke to Jessica before Isabel started at the very beginning of the mix and there were a couple of questions in English before she did the German. Mm. And she acknowledged then that the uh, her own girls from her own team, as she said, were her <laughs> greatest rivals. So as you say, we all watched the test together and to start with, Jessica was quite... Uh, vocal and open about what was happening in her brain mm. and she was sort of saying oh gosh it's exhausting watching far that she was far more nervous than she was in the arena herself and then once we were waiting for the score to come in she went really quiet didn't she she went really quiet we all went really quiet and I think it's worth pointing out it wasn't that you know we we didn't want Isabel to, to be doing well but Jessica's such a lovely person she's worked so hard she rode such a beautiful test I think deep down we were all rooting for her you know to get the Olympic gold that she you know she she so dreamed of at her first Olympics as well yeah I think it's also about the newcomer isn't it you know Isabel has won an awful lot before and it's amazing to see a a fresh face at the top of what can sometimes be quite a predictable sport absolutely and you know Isabel has won every gold medal in the sport since you know since 2016 when of course she didn't you know she's she's been European champion twice in that time on two different horses she's been world champion on on this mare Bella Rose I was quite keen to see to see a little bit of a shake-up um and and that is what we saw the score came in for Isabel it was 89% Jessica just went very very still and just dissolved into tears didn't she it was so incredibly emotional yeah and I can hear Polly that you're getting emotional just talking about it again now (laughs) because uh, as we were standing there because we were about to do an interview we had our sort of dictaphones our phone recorders underneath Jessica's nose and I've listened back to it and you can hear her gasp and then you can just hear her start sobbing but obviously happy tears but the part of it that was hard and kind of sad was that obviously no one could reach out and touch Jessica and you kind of wanted to 
comfort her, although she was happy. And I just felt terrible that she wasn't with her teammates, with someone she was bubbled with, with the people who have worked for this with her. It sort of felt wrong that she was with us in a way, although it was a very special experience for us. And we obviously couldn't give her a hug or anything. I mean, she was, She seemed, you know, I'm sure she would very much have preferred to be with her team. She just sort of got caught in the mix zone at that moment. But, you know, she was interacting with us. She was she was sort of leaning across to me going, Isabel hasn't made any mistakes so far. Did I make any mistakes? Did, did, did I, what, what, what happened in my test? And it does actually bring it home to you that when you're riding a test, you, you don't always know what's going on or what it looks like as much as someone might think um i can confirm that she did not make any uh, any real mistakes in her test <laughs> yeah so that was how it how it all worked out um but before we knew the final results so after jessica isabel charlotte there was one more rider after charlotte and obviously that was crucial to whether or not charlotte could hang on to that bronze what happened there so yes, Charlotte scored eighty-eight percent. She uh, she just pipped Denmark's Catherine Dufour, and she took the bronze medal position with Germany's Dorothy Schneider yet to ride. Um, now Dorothy was the individual silver medalist back in twenty nineteen with this horse Showtime, and she has hit ninety percent. Um, she could, you know, at her best, she 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 can go above eighty-eight. Um, we all thought she might. I was really worried that uh, Charlotte might have to settle for fourth, which is is a really tough position to finish in, um, just out of the medals. Dorothy, very sadly for Dorothy, she did not have the best day. Showtime usually is is so impressive and has so much sort of pizzazz to his performance. He looked he looked quite tired. This is this has obviously been a, an intense trip. Um, he's had three big days of competition. He's travelled a long way. He's a big horse, and he just wasn't on his usual form at all. They had a few mistakes. Their score came in at, I think it was 79, much lower than than what they are capable of. Um, but of course, w- when that score came in, that meant bronze for Charlotte. And I just burst in tears, didn't I, Pippa? I could see Charlotte over in the warm-up arena, you know, still on pumpkin, just in floods of tears. We were all in floods of tears. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely an, another emotional moment. And uh, yeah, you know, Charlotte, you know, I, I was concerned that Dorothy would go ahead, that Charlotte would end up fourth, mm. it, which is such a hard position to be in. Of course, it's brilliant to be fourth at an Olympics, but no one remembers who is fourth. I've heard it described yeah. as a chocolate medal in the past. <laughs> uh, but the person who was fourth was Denmark's Catherine Dufour. And I spoke to her after her test. And there were two things that I did love about her performance that I'm going to talk about, even though she wasn't a medalist, if, if you'll allow me briefly. Definitely. She rode her lovely chestnut horse, Bohemian, and they haven't maybe shown their best in the past couple of days of tests. And I sort of asked her how she'd moved on from that to come back so strong today. And she said she just tried to get the joy back and think about mm. the, the joy she'd got in putting that freestyle together and to go into that arena and go for it. She said she had nothing to lose. The other thing that I loved about Catherine's performance was that she rode to music from the musical Les Miserables. Shout out to Polly who recognised it first from where we're standing. <laughs> All the music is quite distorted, so it wasn't that obvious. But once Polly said it, of course I knew it. And it was a Les Mis medley with lots of different songs. And some vocal at the end as well and she said she tried it without the vocals but it didn't sound quite right um, and although vocals are allowed mm. in freestyles not many riders use them um, it's still quite, it's quite gutsy move actually because it, that, I mean some judges love them some judges hate them um, so you know you've really got to be confident in your selection if uh, if you go for vocals and uh, be quite careful about it I think yeah, definitely. But it it worked for Catherine tonight and mm. Bohemian and she pulled off a really good test. And although I think she'll be frustrated not to have a medal, at least she 
she's going home on a good performance. Polly, before yeah. we finish up talking about dressage, we mustn't forget there were two other British riders performing tonight, Carl Hester and on Vogue, Lottie Fry with Everdale. How did they get on? Oh, yes. They both had good performances today. So it was absolutely lovely to talk to Lottie after her ride. She said that that was quite possibly the best ride she has ever had on Everdale, her lovely stallion. That was actually despite a uh, an unscripted move at the start of her right canter half pass, which from where we were standing, it was at the opposite end of the arena. We couldn't see it all that clearly. We were, we were sort of debating, was it a spook? Did he did he trip? What had happened? Um, he, he obviously lost a bit of balance and a little bit of focus for the pirouette that followed, which was a bit expensive. On talking to Lottie, it transpired that actually, no, Everdale was just having such a wonderful time in the arena that he got a little bit overexcited and just leapt into the air with excitement. And and as Lottie said, you know, that's not a bad problem to have. Um, he was just loving it out there. She was loving it out there. And we all loved watching it. And what about Carl Hester? Carl also had a really good test. Now, this is and this is quite unbelievable. This is the first freestyle he and Vogue have ever done. Um, Carl is very much a, a very team focused person and he has been riding a lot of Grand Prix specials um, in what has already been quite a minimal run up to these Olympic Games. So he hasn't focused on the on the freestyle at all with Vogue. Vogue is, is hot. He's he's quite reactive, especially to noises. Carl was a bit concerned how he'd react to the loud, you know, really loud music. He said that when they had their sound check, he actually asked for their music to be lowered a notch, which which it was. But Vogue was still, you know, he still was really hot to trot in there but Carl kept a lid on him and rode him absolutely beautifully they they pulled out a really lovely test and it, yeah it makes me so excited to think what what they can do once Vogue is is a bit more used to these situations and these atmospheres and you know riding to music yeah, and we have to remember that this whole team of British horses, all they're all such young horses, all championship debutants, Polly? Yep, all here at their first ever championship. And I mean, how amazing that that's an Olympics. Yeah, and going home with a team and an individual bronze. Well, that pretty much finishes off our uh, chat about the dressage at the Olympics, but we will be back very shortly to preview the start of the eventing. The Horse and Hound Podcast Daily Tokyo Special is supported by Toggy. Shop the sport, outdoor and British equestrian Team GBR collection at toggy.com. Technical, tested, trusted Toggy. Well, as you've just said, Pippa, we are now starting to turn our attention to the eventing, which gets underway in the next couple of days. Um, I think tomorrow is the first horse inspection, isn't it? Yep, that's absolutely correct. So we will see all the event horses and the alternates for the teams as well come forward before the ground jury and the vet so that they can make sure that they are fit to start the competition. Then we are into the first day of dressage, aren't we? And that's on Friday and, well, the first of two days of dressage. Just run me through the format. How does that actually work? There's three different sessions over two days. Is that right? Yeah, so there's kind of two parts to that question, Polly. The first <laughs> is that the draw has already been done for the order of nations that is the order that the nations will trot up in tomorrow but it also determines the order for the dressage and cross country britain are third in the order of nations the thai team are first there's a an individual for belarus second and britain are the third team up 
When it comes to the dressage, the way it's described is that it's split into five blocks. So block A is the first rider for each team. Block B is half of the individual riders, those who don't have teams. Block C is the second rider for each team. Block D is the second half of the individual riders. And block E is the third rider for each team. So hopefully that makes sense. What it means is that the British rider who is first out, and we don't yet know who that will be, we don't know the order of those British riders, will be the second rider into the arena following a tie rider. It also means they will be the second rider onto the cross-country course. So there won't be any chance them to get any feedback on how the course is riding. And obviously sometimes we do think the dressage scores get higher as sessions go on. So Mm. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a positive, but I'm looking at it as a positive. I'm saying we're going to lead from the front. I think that's a really good way to look at it. And we've got a really strong team, haven't we, Pippa? Absolutely. So our team are Laura Collett and London 52, Tom McEwen and Toledo de Cursa and Oliver Townend and Ballamore Class. And it's worth pointing out that the other interesting thing about those blocks, splitting those down into three sessions for dressage is interesting because there are, as you've said, three sessions. One's early in the morning on Friday, one's in the evening on Friday and one's early in the morning on Saturday. I don't know how five blocks divide into three sessions those numbers don't divide easily to my mind it would make sense to have two riders from each team get completed on friday those sessions are all sort of two and a half hours long so there's no obvious shorter session i don't know how that's going to work we'll find out we will have the times after the trot up tomorrow oh that's going to be really exciting um and pippa you had an exciting morning didn't you you were out back at the cross-country course Yep, I just can't stay away from that place. Um, (laughs) But um, it was good this morning because Derek de Grazia, the course designer, sort of presented his course to the press. We didn't walk the whole track as I did yesterday. What we did was we went up to the six key combinations and Derek talked us through them. It was reassuring to hear Derek echoing what I said on the podcast last night about the way the fences have been numbered and how cleverly that's been done. I'm not going to go through that again, listeners, it's too late. Um, You'll have to listen to to last night's podcast or read what I've written about it somewhere on the Horse and Hound website. But another thing that I found very interesting in what Derek was saying was that the long routes on this course are generally on an outer line around the curve of the combination. Often long routes do, at, at events, do loop back on themselves or involve turning away. And Derek has really avoided that because he said it's something that's very tiring for horses and that's something he wants to avoid in this heat. So it was just really interesting to get an insight into Derek's thought process in putting this course together. Gosh, I bet it was. And I mean, I for one, I'm really excited to see sort of how all of that unfolds on Cross Country Day this weekend. Anyway, to whet your appetite, shall we hear from uh, Britain's Laura Collett? She spoke to us a little bit earlier this summer about what the Olympics mean to her. To be selected to ride at the Olympics is a a total dream come true. Um, As a child growing up, I always used to watch the Olympics on telly, not just the eventing or the equestrian, just the whole thing, every every sport. I have such admiration for the athletes that are at the Olympics because any person knows what they've been through to get to that stage. You know, it's the absolute cream of the cream and it takes years of, of blood, sweat and tears really to to just to get there so when I actually do get there it's going to be a very surreal moment to think that a childhood dream is coming true and hopefully we can stand on the podium with a gold medal around my neck and that really will genuinely be a dream come true. 
Well, we are looking forward to seeing Laura trot up London 52 tomorrow, along with all the rest of the Brits, and then going into the dressage for the eventing on Friday. So before we finally say goodbye to the pure dressage at this Olympic Games, Polly, I'm coming back to you. I want your one highlight. Keep it to one, please. Oh, Pippa, you know that's a really hard question. I've got so many highlights. Um... Yeah, so I think it, I think, you know, it might actually be the moment that I um, chatted to Charlotte just after she came out of the medal ceremony. And she, you know, she just had the biggest smile on her face. She was so, so happy. She was so thrilled. And I was thrilled for her. It, it just really sort of brought it home what the Olympics are all about. Yeah, I can hear a bit of emotion coming into your voice again there, Polly. We, listeners, we don't want Polly to cry anymore because it's very hot here and she's going to get terribly dehydrated. So we are going to round up and finish there. Thank you so much for listening to the Horse and Ham podcast Daily Tokyo special supported by Toggy. Polly and I will be back on Friday to review the first session of Eventing Dressage. 